Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CageSidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. UFC back in Vegas after another exciting weekend last weekend. This weekend, we finally get the return of Leon Edwards as he faces, kind of unexpectedly in a main event, Bilal Muhammad. We'll, of course, be breaking down that fight as well as two other fights on this main card as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll give you a underdog in a parlay that we think will make your wallet fat. Plus, I am going to be talking to both Ashley Yoder and Davey Grant, who will be fighting on this fight card. And let me tell you something, I'm jacked up for both their matchups. Davey Grant's fighting Jonathan Martinez in what should be a really fun styles clash. And Ashley Yoder is, of course, getting that rematch with Angela Hill. And we're going to be getting all that great content for you in just a moment. But before we do, I have to remind you that this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. It's like the YouTube for sports betting. So head on over to betterthan.vegas. And from there, make sure that you browse, search, and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests. You already read and listen to some of these very people, and now you get to hear the picks straight out of their mouth and in every sport imaginable. In fact, you can head on over there right now. You can see Shockwave Dave and me dropping picks for you each and every week. So make sure that you check those out to get the little bit of an extra bonus from us. And plus, if you've got something to say for yourself, start your own account. Build your own following. Give us your picks. We'd love to hear them. No matter what you do, though, first, make sure you follow our account, Top Turtle MMA, over on Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. Alright, and I'm joined now by Ashley Yoder, who fights Angela Hill at UFC in the Apex on March 13th. So, Ashley, I I know obviously when we talk about this fight originally being booked, it popped up on just seven days notice, kind of unbeknownst to anybody, showed up on a UFC broadcast. How much notice did you have ahead of time on that fight? Was was it kind of in the works, or, or did they just come to you that morning as well? That morning, yeah. So, it was funny, uh, when it popped up on the fight night, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? During the cards, one of the commercials, uh, my teammates actually texted me and were like, uh, are you fighting? I'm like, yeah, man, it's, I just found out this morning too. So yeah, it was definitely a very short notice. Um, and you know, you can, when you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And you know, we're both down to fight anytime. So. Well, and I was going to ask you that too, uh, as a complete professional, six days notice you weigh in on Friday, perfectly on weight, no problems at all. And, and on a card that had a lot of people making uh, trouble with weight, you, you said you were in shape, ready to go. How, how difficult was that weight cut for you? No, it was actually a really easy weight cut. Uh, I try to walk around a little bit lighter. Um, just, you know, I, I actually told the UFC a week prior because uh, we were trying to get a fight in March and April, and it just wasn't going to happen, it sounded like. Like, guys, listen, I'm 125. I can make weight on a week's notice. And sure enough, less than a week later, they call me and say, hey, you want to make that weight in a week? I'm like, yeah, sure. So, yeah, it was uh, 
It was not a hard cut actually at all. You know, making one usually I I, I usually come in a little bit lighter at like one fifteen, but I mean we went down to check my weight. I was on weight and said, hey, let's just do it. Fine. I love it. Now, obviously, that's one part of being ready, but the other part is the training camp. And, and granted, you said you're in shape. You said you're ready to go at all times, but it's a little bit different. Taking a fight on, you know, a six-day training camp, by that time, you're, you're mostly just, <laughs> you know, trying to stay healthy at that point, right? So what what was, right. what were those six days like in, in trying to prepare for Angela Hill? Um, you know, we already fought before, so you, we we both know each other's styles and, you know, kind of where we're, we stand on that side of it. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was actually probably less stress, you know, you don't have to worry about the long camps of being injured and trying to recover and make sure, you know, you stay injury free for the fight and you don't have time to overthink about anything really. So it was actually one of my favorite things about short notices. There's no time. You just, you got to go. So, um, that's what we did. All right, well, we're definitely going to get to talking about the stylistic aspect of that matchup in just a second, but I want to ask you, now that it was canceled, it was pushed back two weeks due to the unfortunate circumstances of having a, a cornerman pop with COVID, we have this situation now where you have a longer training camp, and most people would say, oh, it's a blessing in disguise, I got extra weeks to, to prepare, but you're here telling me now that you, you preferred not to have time to think about it, so what is, has this lead-up been like? Oh, it's three weeks, man. I'm talking 12-week fight camps where you have to stay healthy. Three weeks is not even a full fight camp. That's still a short-notice fight. So uh, technically, I don't even know. Would you say three or two weeks? I guess three weeks. But, um, yeah, no, it's it, it's definitely still short-notice for me, So or anybody for that matter. You, there's not a lot of people that can even make the weight on a two-week, three-week notice or four weeks. So, you know, it's, it's a – not much time to change anything except for getting your confidence up. And, you know, that's uh, kind of what we've been doing. Awesome. And, and now I want to talk a little bit about the matchup, as I said. You know, when, when I've talked to you in the past, you've said you, you've kind of been in this sport learning on the job. You you pretty much, you know, got thrown right into the UFC before you had really started <laughs> to mature as a fighter, right? And you had all of those fights early in your career against killers like Angela Hill, what are your sort of thoughts on getting a chance to, to get one of those fights back now? You know, it's crazy. I never, you know, uh, people all the time, I think, you know, even in my interview, I said, you know, there's probably people rallying for rematches harder than I ever have. Um, I've never really thought about, you know, getting those rematches. I kind of just brush whatever happened off, focus on the new task at hand. That being said, I'm not, I, I'm not opposed to any rematch that they would ever give me. Um, you know, I am always game to fight. If they want me to fight the same person five times, I'll fight them five times. So uh, on that aspect, you know, it's kind of it's kind of a cool feeling because I've never had this. Uh, it's all new for me to be able to step back in against someone I've already, you know, I've already felt their power. I've already felt, you know, um, those kind of things. So it's a little bit of um, – uh, a mental imagery, you know, of being able to be there already and know that, you know, there's only, you know, there's only so many things that we've changed in our fight and we both fought enough that you can watch film on us and our styles are our styles, you know, it's kind of just who we are. And I just feel really good about the growth on both sides of us. You know, I, I'm very respected, uh, respectful of Angela and I am, I'm a fan outside of having to fight her. You know, I think she's done a lot of great things. She's been robbed a few times as well. So uh, yeah, I just feel really excited to be able to get that second chance, but it's definitely not something that like I've always been like dwelling on, you know, so. 
For sure. And, and you mentioned that you felt like you've, you've had quite a bit of growth in there. It was four years ago. Is, is there an area in your game particularly that you feel like is the most different from then? Because obviously, like you said, stylistically still the same. But what part of you do you feel like is at the most better since that last matchup? Well, I don't know. You know, I really feel like everything in my game has, and you can see it in my fights. You know, sometimes I come out, my striking looks the best it's ever been, and it's gotten better. And then you see my wrestling. My wrestling's definitely gotten a whole lot better. My ground has definitely gotten better. Um, so uh, all around, we train. There's never been a time. I'm a true MMA artist. You know, I started mixed martial arts as mixed martial arts. And, of course, you know, as I progressed in my career, I've kind of separated them out. I'm now a black belt in jiu-jitsu. So, I, you know, I, I've trained a lot of gi since that. You know, I was uh, – I don't even know what belt I was at that point. But, um, you know, training each individual martial arts and bringing it together – all completely rounded, I definitely have grown in every aspect. And you can see it in my fights. It's not, you know, I can tell you until I'm blue in the face, but it's really shown in each fight. I get more comfortable and more comfortable um, in the octagon. So, you know, this is my third time in the Apex. In the, or it'll be my, yeah, my third time in the Apex. And so, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a good fight. And, and yeah, we definitely saw the, the progression of your wrestling too against Miranda Granger, where it looked like, you know, your, your wrestling had really come a long way there. So let's let's get back to the, the the task at hand. You're fighting Angela Hill coming up at the Apex on March 13th. Can you give us a prediction? How do you see this one going? Yeah, I feel like it's going to be a fight for the fans. It's like going to be uh, the 2.0 version, uh, but in my favor. I feel like I feel good about this fight. I feel like we're going to bring um, some fireworks to the cage, and you know, I, I'm excited to see my growth and progression since the four years ago first fight. Uh, I really think it's a, it's going to be a test of myself on seeing um, how much I've really grown, you know. So I'm excited for myself just to get in there and really put my skills to the test and uh, come out victorious. We're excited for that as well. Once again, fans, this is Ashley Yoder who fights Angela Hill at the Apex on March 13th. Ashley, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Hey, no worries. And that interview with Ashley Yoder is brought to you by Vigit. Vigit is the first gamified social network for sports bettors. It's 100% free to download, and it gives sports bettors like me and you a place to talk about sports betting. Plus, you can compete against friends and see all the betting trends so that you can make better bets. Plus, you can win things like awesome t-shirts, Amazon gift cards, and even a PS5. So I encourage you to go download Vigit and make sure to use referral code TTP. Now, once again, I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland. This time, I am joined... As I often am by Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, let's start with last week. Last week, you know, obviously highly billed card. Did it live up to the hype for you? It did live up to the hype, Gumby. First of all, there were so many great performances on the prelims. Uh, I, I want to get your opinion on this as well. For me, Sean Brady is uh, just the man to watch right now at 170. I feel like just from a grappling perspective, uh, he is a freaking beast on the ground and i'm so excited about his potential and then the main event as predicted on top turtle mma podcast my dog of the week uh jan blankovic beat israel adesanya so just from a it while the fight wasn't like anything to write home about per se just from the way our imaginations ran wild with izzy at 205 i love the way the question was answered and now no one really wants to see him at 205 anymore which is just kind of funny in a way and uh the knee to the head, very dramatic. I'm very much willing to or look past it all, just get to the rematch. 
I think there was some miscommunication with Piotr Jan's corner. They might have been saying knee the body. Who knows? Uh, the bottom line, though, he was winning that fight, and I feel like the knee takes away from the foot sweep clinic he put on Aljamain Sterling. But I want to just run this back. Besides your quick thoughts on the main event, who was the biggest per- performer for you on the undercard? Because there were a lot of great performances. Yeah, I think you're right with Sean Brady. Um, and, and actually, I picked against Sean Brady, which I, I don't I feel too bad saying. Um, because I, I thought while he had looked so good grappling in his first three UFC bouts, you know, like the, the level of competition, you know, the, the toughest guy he had seemingly taken out of there was was Court McGee. And, you know, I'm, I'm not that high on Court McGee. But what he was able to do to a guy who pretty much does what he did to other people. You know what I mean? Like Jake Matthews sort of big brothers and grapples up other people just like he got grappled up here. It just showed that like, oh shit, like Sean Brady is actually for real. He's like an actual crazy good performer. So I would say him, I definitely agree with you on. And then I would also say the another one that stuck out to me that I don't think a lot of people are talking about is just how freaking tough Kennedy Zuchuku is. Because Kennedy Zuchuku went in there with, uh, again, kind of a, a kickboxer who we let our imagination run wild with because he's a teammate of Israel I. Desanya's and we just assume they're like the greatest kickboxer of all time. And he took the best shot that that guy had repeatedly to the face and just kept moving forward until he landed his blow. So, um, I, you know, ultimately, was it like a, a performance that makes you think he's a top 10 light heavyweight? Hell no. But was it crazy impressive to see a light heavyweight with durability like that and and just like absolutely coached up by Save Saad? Uh, yeah, I, I was I was sold on him. But yes, I think to to run back to your original point, the ultimate winner of those prelims is Sean Brady. He's now ranked in the UFC top fifteen. He passed Robbie Lawler with that win, and, and you got to imagine there are some fun names for him at welterweight. Well, I'll tell you what's uh, fun for us, uh, and that's going to be this week's edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays for UFC Vegas 21. Hopefully we get as good a fight this weekend as we did last. Gumby, before we get into our favorite segment on the show, though, one may wonder if any company sponsors this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Absolutely. Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by Maroon Social. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. So whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, or jiu-jitsu, it doesn't matter because you can log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log your competitions and weigh-ins, and so much more. Once again, that's Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Download it wherever you download apps. All right, let's start with the main event, as we are known to do. Leon Edwards is on a eight-fight win streak, coming off a big unanimous decision win over Rafael Dos Anjos, wins over Gunnar Nelson, Donald Cerrone. In this win streak, he's kind of catapulted himself to the tops of the division, and now facing Belial Muhammad, who, don't blink, also on himself, a nice little impressive win streak, albeit half as long, four-fight win streak, uh, rear naked choke over Takashi Saito, and then unanimous decision wins over Curtis Melander, Lyman Good, and Diego Lima just a few weeks ago, February 13th. So quick turnaround for him. He's betting off as a plus 215 dog. Edwards, the very uh, safe, I would say, minus 255 favorite. I'm assuming you're picking Edwards. I'd like to hear the path to victory for Muhammad, but I don't want to steal your thunder. Who are you picking here, Gumby? I am taking Leon Edwards. And the thing I will say here is that the the caveat I have to picking Leon Edwards is actually that I think 
the two years offer, now we're moving in on two years off for Leon Edwards, leaves a lot of questions in my mind, right? Because you said, you know, he's coming off that win over Rafael Dos Anjos. You know, back when he beat Rafael Dos Anjos, winning that fight makes you a top two or three welterweight. And he's kind of just chilled at number three since he beat Rafael Dos Anjos. And, and let's be fair now, if you beat Rafael Dos Anjos, first of all, now he's in a different division. And also, it doesn't make you the number three guy in the division anymore. So, you know, while it was an impressive win at the time and we're, we should be marveling at his run and, you know, beating Gunnar Nelson certainly isn't bad, but that win in retrospect isn't really what it looked like either. So I think we should taper our expectations a little bit with Leon Edwards. You know, I think the high ranking and the fact that, you know, they're talking about him fighting Colby Covington gives us a little bit of an inflated sense of where he is and... While his skills look really good the last time out, it has been two years. So I'm a little bit worried, especially at that price tag for a guy who's been out that long. With that being said, if we're into the technical aspects of this fight, I actually don't think there's a really wide range of possibilities for Bilal Muhammad to win this fight because I think he just does everything that Leon Edwards does, only slightly worse. Right? Like he's a decent boxer. He kicks somewhat well. He kind of manages distances fairly well. He grapples when he needs to, and he's got a pretty good top game. But he does all of those things just like a little bit worse than Leon Edwards, right? Like Leon Edwards put Rafael Dos Anjos on his back, which he probably wouldn't expect Bolil Ahmed to do. And he was willing to get in there and grapple a little bit with Gunnar Nelson, which again, would I say that Bilal Muhammad could do that? I don't know if I would or not. So I'm just going to say... That if Muhammad wins, I think it's going to be a five-round decision where his cardio holds up well enough for him to win some of the late rounds. I think he'd have to steal one of the early ones and then kind of hope the two years off did some damage to Leon Edwards. Because I think really that's probably his only path to victory here. Uh, I agree with you completely. I won't add anything. We'll move on. Uh, Dan Ige, a minus-130 favorite. Gavin Tucker, a plus-110 dog. Ige coming off a unanimous decision loss to Calvin Cutter, but he was on a nice um, six-fight win streak before running into Calvin Cutter uh, and probably why he is the favorite here, albeit slightly to Gavin Tucker. Tucker also himself, though, on a nice win streak, three-fight win streak, Rear naked choke wins over Justin Janes and Sung Woo Choi, coming off a unanimous decision win over Billy Quarantillo, but the plus 110 dog here, very tight odds. Who you got? I like Gavin Tucker as the underdog in this fight, and I like him very much so. Um, You know, you mentioned he's on a three-fight win streak. He had a very brutal loss, if you go back to Rick Glenn. And I think the problem with him back then is he thought he had to go in there and just brawl with anybody he fought. Um, and, and when you brawl with somebody who's got good kickboxing and mean elbows and can hurt you like Rick Glenn does, you get fights that look like that. And I think from that, he learned that, hey, I'm also an amazing grappler. I've got great top game. I've got a mean rear naked choke. I've worked to people's backs insanely well. Why don't I do that? Because I don't get punched in the face when that happens. And, and for me, I think the fact that he can brawl in this fight makes him dangerous against a guy like Ige. Because Ige, I feel like if this gets messy, is not at an advantage on the feet. I think he probably could point fight him a little bit. But then we also have to worry that, you know, Gavin Tucker is going to make it messy with some wrestling in here too. And I think that really gives him an edge in this fight. And and I think too, you know, you, you mentioned the loss to Calvin Cater. 
you know, a, a long, kind of drawn-out five-round fight like that can sometimes wear on a guy, uh, and especially when you're taking what is perceived as a big step back in competition, you know, I, I worry that maybe he's not giving the entire gravitas to, to Gavin Tucker here, and especially to the grappling of Gavin Tucker, because I think, like I said, he, he kind of got written off as this, like, big brawler, and he's not that anymore, and, and what he is is actually much more impressive. All right. Well, I'm very excited about this next fight. Misha Serkinov, a minus 120 favorite. Ryan Spann, a plus 100 dog. Both good grapplers in their own right, albeit Serkinov probably uh, a little bit more well-rounded in the grappling game, in my opinion. Certainly more submission wins on his uh, resume. But that being said, he's coming off a really big win over Jimmy Crute, albeit over a year ago. They both have losses uh, in common to Johnny Walker. Ryan Spann coming off a loss to Johnny Walker as well. Who you got here? I'm going with Misha Serkinov. And, and it's funny, too, that you mentioned that those losses to J- Johnny Walker because both of them, to me, a little bit fluky, right? Like a running, flying knee for Misha Serkinov. Ryan Spann was putting a beating on him before he got knocked out. So, yeah, I, I think that that's kind of a, a funny common loss. But you're right 100% in how you started breaking this down when you said Misha Serkinov just a better grappler, right? Like, just a more well-rounded grappler. His Both of their top games look kind of nice, but the wrestling is so much better for Misha Serkinov. I think the submission skills are definitely better for Misha Serkinov. I mean, like, a Peruvian necktie getting hit in the UFC is damn impressive. And then when you add the fact that it was done to Jimmy Crute, a guy who is a mean, young, muscular, talented wrestler, uh, I, I think, yeah, the advantage is clearly Serkinov there. The one caveat I will say uh, about why I'm not 100% sold here that Misha Serkinov wins this fight is Ryan Spann is a guy who is very long for light heavyweight, Serkinov a little bit stockier. So if this does stay on the feet, I think he he could possibly have trouble getting on the inside of Spann. I just think once he's on the inside, that grappling is going to take over enough for him to win. Well, I encourage everyone to go to our Instagram, go to our Twitter. I made Serkinov my lock of the week for all the reasons you just outlined, uh, and that's just because I do think he mixes in judo throws, wrestling. Uh, I think he'll get this to the ground. And, you know, for me, I don't like Serkinov against the elite strikers. He's lost to Glover Teixeira, uh, Volkan Ozdemir, and Johnny Walker. Ryan Spann is none of those things at all. And, you know, like you said, Peruvian neckties, uh, rear naked choke, where he actually broke someone's jaw. Uh, arm that was, that was gnarly. I forgot about when he broke that dude's jaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Serkinov is a low-key killer and doesn't really get the respect he deserves. So, that being said, I'm with you on the pick. Underdog of the week, it's Courtney Casey over J.J. Aldrich at plus 115. Break it down. Yeah, I like Courtney Casey in this one. Uh, she's moving up to flyweight. And since she's moved up to flyweight, she is one in one I will say that the somewhat alarming thing is she did lose to Jillian Robertson, who is a good uh, grappler in her own right. But I think that that's probably what it's going to take to beat Courtney Casey. Because if, if Courtney Casey can get her offensive wrestling going, she, she's pretty dominant and heavy on top. And I think now that she's at flyweight, well, you might think, oh, she went up a weight class. It's going to be harder for her to muscle people around. I think also that weight class down to, to or that weight cut down to straw weight was killing her a little bit. So I think now that she's up here, you're going to see her with that dominant wrestling looking good, at least from the offensive wrestling standpoint. And J.J. Aldrich is not a threat to take Courtney Casey down. I, I'm sure J.J. Aldrich is the betting favorite here because she probably boxes better than Courtney Casey. 
but sort of similar to the Sirkinoff and, and Ryan Spann breakdown, I do expect that Casey will be able to get it to the ground at some point in time. And I think ultimately her top game mixed with the fact that she's going to have enough control here should win her the fight. All right, our parlay to play, wrapping it up. Matthew Selmosberger, minus 125. Charles Jourdain, minus 260. Pair those two together at favorites. Uh, you're going to get plus money at plus 150. Let's hear it. So Matthew Samelisberger is a guy who, in his debut against Carlton Minus, very easily could have just taken Carlton Minus down at will. Carlton Minus, absolute trash of takedown defense. Semelsberger, pretty damn good wrestler. And instead, he worked his striking, and his striking looked really, really good. He's fighting Jason Witt, a guy who fights similar to him. Got good wrestling, sometimes falls in love with his striking. The difference is I think Semmelsberger is better on the feet, he's got longer arms, and I think he's got better control when he does get to that wrestling game. So, you know, the fact that he is such a close favorite in this this fight, you know, only negative 125, I think there's lots of value there. And then for Charles Jourdain, you know, he's fighting Marcelo Rojo, once again, a guy who likes to strike and bang, similar to him. But we're forgetting Charles Jourdain is a guy who knocked out Doohoo Choi. Duhu Choi, the guy who took 780 punches to the dome from Cub Swanson and just kept ticking, this is a guy who put him away. So uh, he's going to stand and bang with a guy who's willing to take a shot to give one. That's a bad recipe for anybody who's going to fight Jordan because Jordan's a bad dude. So I like Jordan and Semmelsberger together. And of course, plus 150, you got to like that juice. Boom. You're going like to like the way we make gambling predictions. I guarantee it. Follow along with us on Twitter as the fights are going along at Top Turtle MMA. Let us know if we did you right with some of these picks. Let us know if we did you dirty and led you down the wrong path. Gumby, that's it for Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Where should we go next in the show? We are going to transition next to my interview with Davey Grant. Davey's going to talk a little bit about recovering from that broken jaw, his layoff, which actually he doesn't actually feel was all that long, fighting on Fight Island, and so much more. So make sure to tune in to that right now. All right, and joining me today is Davey Grant, who fights Jonathan Martinez at the UFC Apex on March 13th. So, Davey, I want to start by talking. The last time we saw you, you would come back from an amazing knockout, but also you broke your jaw in the fight. Give us an update. How's the jaw feeling? Yeah, uh, spot on. I mean, I was back sparring after, after about um, about eight weeks after the operation, and it, it feels brand new again, to be honest. Well, that's great to hear. Now, eight weeks, obviously, is not a short period of time, and you've actually been out yeah. quite quite a bit of time since then. How was the recovery, pain-wise, surgery, pain-wise, all that kind of stuff? I mean, it was it was it was more more of an irritation because I, you know, after you fought, you just want to eat loads of loads of food, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a bit hard to eat. I was having like suck slices of pizza and stuff. Do you know what I mean? So that was probably the worst bit. And so I imagine as soon as you're able to start eating again, you, you you probably gained a little bit of weight. What was the first thing you sort of went to eating after you're, you're back to normal? I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not even sure, to be honest. It was just a bit of everything. And it was like, it was coming up to like, um, we were getting close to Christmas, so I thought I just carried it on. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're glad that you're back in training. Now, I'm curious too, you, know, you said eight weeks uh, before it felt like new. Were you able yep. to train it all in that time too, or was that just a hundred percent downtime for you? No, I was literally. I was just uh, once it felt once I was a bit more comfortable with it. I was just still keeping on with like sort of conditioning workouts and then little bits of pads here and there. 
Awesome. So now, obviously, like I said, it, it was a big win. You, you got the first win of Fight Island, a huge knockout, yeah. performance bonus, all that awesome stuff. Were, were you a little bit frustrated that you, you kind of haven't been able to build on that? It's been almost a year since that fight, and, and it will be a year by the time we get to your fight time. Has that been frustrating for you? Uh, no, not really. I mean, it's it, it, it's always been like that in my career, to be honest. Uh, I mean, to be fair, it's still... I mean, it's only been... It hasn't been that long. It won't be a year by the time I fight, because it was in, like, like, July. So I'm fighting again in March this time. And, uh, and the last fight was July, so... Uh, I mean, to be honest, it, it, if we go back to most of my fights in the career, this is a pretty quick turnaround. I'm not frustrated at all. I'm just looking forward to getting back in there. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you back in there, too. But I do want to ask one more question about the knockout, too, because... A lot of people were surprised by that knockout. They went into that fight sort of thinking it was a fight between a, a grappler and a knockout artist. And you were the grappler of the two of them. You go in there and get the yeah. KO. It's only the second in your career, too, I noticed. Eight years apart. D- did it come up on you a little bit, too? Was it a little surprising for you? No, no I mean, not really. I mean, it was... Um, I'll take anything. I mean, I'll always look for the knockout. I know I've got it in me, do you know what I mean? But... Like, sometimes it just doesn't come. Sometimes the sub comes first or, or whatever, you know. Like, so, I mean, I, I knew I was going in there to bang with them. I wanted to. I wanted the first fight on Fight Island to be a good, a good like, exciting fight. So I knew what I was going in there to do. And, I mean, yeah, it, it just turned out really well for me. But, I mean, as far as the prize goes, I was looking for it. I, I, know, I know what I can do with my hands. Um, so, I mean, I'll be, I'll be looking to do that every fight. But if the sub comes, the sub comes, the decision comes, the decision comes. I'm not really bothered as long as I win. Absolutely, and and you you mentioned in there that the sub seems to come more often, and obviously if you look back at your record, yeah. the sub the sub has come much more often in your career. Yeah, is, is there a reason you feel like like submission grappling seems to come to you quicker than than striking? Because you are good in both ends, but one of them seems to clearly be an area that that seems to be easy I, for you. I mean, to be to be fair, what it was is early on in my career, people didn't want to stand with me, so they tried to take me down. I ended up subbing them. Do you know what I mean? So it was more like a case of not that I, I mean, I could have probably just used me, me to stand back up and try and knock them out. But then the sub came. I think it was a lot, a lot of it was, um, I could have probably got a few more knockouts, but I was just looking to finish the fight quickly. And like people would try and take me down and I'd end up either like reversing them or, or, or whatever. And then hitting the subs, it sort of, sort of worked like that sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so it was almost like a, a trial by fire. You you constantly got put in the, the deep end and, and you had to swim your way out. Yeah, yeah. Well, it certainly worked so far. Now, a, a lot of people, too, looking into this matchup, because you're fighting Jonathan Martinez. We obviously got to talk yeah. about that, too. A, a lot of people see this fight kind of similarly, right? He's a guy with a bunch of knockouts on his record. You're a guy yep. who, who has a bunch of subs on your record. But you mentioned you, you do feel really comfortable on the feet. Do you see you standing and banging with Jonathan Martinez as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's the game plan. I'm, I'm not really worried about where the fight goes, to be honest. Um, yeah, I'm going to go out there looking for the knockout. If, if the sub comes, I'll take the sub. Absolutely. Now, I'm curious, too, because, you know, you got the chance to fight on Fight Island. You had that experience and, and really were the first ones to have that experience now, now you're yeah. flying into the U.S., you're fighting in the Apex, a whole new experience. Yeah. What What are sort of your thoughts on, on the fact that you, you didn't get a chance to go back to Fight Island? Would you like to fight back there again if they go go back to Fight Island again? Yeah, I mean, definitely. It was a fantastic experience from start to finish, regardless of the fight. 
you know, I mean, the result was always amazing. So, so don't get me wrong, it was it was absolutely fantastic. It was beaming to our lab. Even without that involved, it was just a great place to be. And I love it where it's warm. Yeah. <laughs> I love the, the sun and it was red hot over there. I mean, sometimes we were on the beach and it was like 46 degrees. It was, it was lovely. And uh, yeah, good memories over there. Well, that's good. But obviously now you are fighting Jonathan Martinez in the Apex in Vegas. It is warm in Vegas, I can assure you. Um, yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I do wonder if you're willing to, to wager a prediction. You said you like it going everywhere. How, how do you see this one ending? I mean, honestly, I, I'm not really one for predictions. I'm going in there looking for knockouts, you know, and, and then anything else that comes, champion. I'm, I, I really don't mind where the fight takes place. I, I'm going to try and knock him out. I'm going to try and sub him. And then, and then worst case, I'll get the decision, you know. It's, uh, I'll, I'll always be looking to finish. Absolutely. Now, before I let you go, I do want to ask, too, because this win, if you were to come out victorious this uh, March 13th, you, you'll be on yeah. a three-fight win streak, and, and it'll be your first you know, major win streak in the UFC. Well, yeah. Where do you sort of see your career at it, it, should you pick up this win on March 13th? I mean, obviously, I'm not trying not to look past this fight, but, yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. That's a plan. Um, I mean, hopefully, we can start knocking on the door of the top 15, um, maybe get three wins in this year, and then uh, and then hopefully be sort of solidify myself as one of the one of the top fifteen in the world, and then maybe start knocking looking for a title shot the year after. That'd be perfect. I'm not getting any younger. I want I want to speed track things, you know. Absolutely. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you this upcoming weekend as well as many times in 2021. Once again, fans, this is Davy Gray who fights Jonathan Martinez at the Apex on March 13th. Davy, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks. Absolute pleasure. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. Couldn't do what we do without you guys. We also couldn't do what we do without our sponsors, Maroon Social, Viget, and Better Than Vegas. Make sure to follow us there for a couple of extra picks as well. And we want to thank Cageside Press for having us on. The mothership is certainly a big help to us. And speaking of a help to us, we also want to remind you guys to help us out by checking us out and following us on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA. Until next week, I'm Daniel Gumby Vreeland, he's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will see you then.